0: Well, hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning to some of you across the United States. This is Tony Katz today, and I am Kira Davis today, filling in for the great and wonderful Tony Katz, who's taking a well-deserved vacation this week. So you're stuck with me for one more day, but we had a lot of fun yesterday. We've got a lot of stuff to get to today here on the show. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to I want to mention these wildfires that are going on in Arizona. I don't know. Have you guys heard about these? It's the Telegraph Fire and the Mescal Fire. So far, they've burned about 60,000 acres of, of land in Arizona. And I just want you to want everyone to know that that's going on. And we definitely want to send out our support and our prayers to the firefighters and the people who are affected by the fire. And uh, I'm from California and fire season is no joke and it can get really, really gnarly, really, really fast. So our thoughts and our prayers, I know we're not supposed to say these things anymore, but we do have thoughts and we do have prayers and we would like to send them to the people um, on the ground fighting the fires and, and trying to resist the fires because, you know, we can't go fight the fires ourselves. And, uh, and so it's worth something to at least mention it. Good luck out there, you guys. Stay safe. All right, we've got uh, a lot to get to today. It's it's just, you know what? There was a week or two ago where news just seemed so dry, like nothing was breaking. And suddenly when it, it rains, it pours. It's just, it's just nonstop. I've got so much on the plate today to discuss. I'm not sure how much I'm going to get to, but we definitely got to start with our vice president. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I'm i giggling already because I am stunned. I'm absolutely stunned by how unprepared and unlikable Kamala Harris is. And I know I'm saying her name wrong, but I don't care. I'm from California and we've dealt with her here for many years before she got to you guys. So I've paid my dues. I'll call her what I want. And uh, and while she was here, she was camel. Anyways, uh, I'll say this. I am shocked by how unprepared she was for answers on the border. She sat down with Lester Holt, which also is 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 anyone else having an issue with how little we're seeing this administration of this administration? Jen Sockey's out there every day. I know what Jen Psaki looks like and says and I know what her opinions are or as she's dictating them I I know what she thinks but it is amazing to think of how little we've actually seen of the president and the vice president especially considering that the vice president we have is a first first woman first Asian woman first black woman y'all know how I feel about that I feel a little bitter that we're having to spend that as a black woman i feel better that i'm having to spend that first on somebody who has barely qualified as either in her career i mean no one has cared at all but If we want to qualify her as this and we want to be excited about it, then she should be all over the place, talking all the time, talking to everybody. She should be on every magazine cover. She should be doing exclusive interviews with every major outlet. She should be a superstar. Where has Kamala Harris been? Well, if you listen to what she told Lester Holt, you'll understand why Kamala Harris has not been out there on the scene in in a way that. You would expect a, a quote first like her to be. She talked to Lester about the board. God bless Lester Holt. This is the best we can expect from the mainstream media these days. <laughs> the bar is not high but at least he asked the question now it was a it was a kind of a like oh i'm so sorry i have to i have to ask this question kind of thing yeah you know, he didn't want to ask it he knew it was going to be pointed and he knew it would make her uncomfortable so he apologized before he asked the question uh, but at least he asked the question where has Kamala been on the border and her response was well it was less than inspiring. Ari, go ahead and play that clip of Kamala talking about the border.
1: Border, we've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border, we've been to the border. You haven't been to the border, I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I,
0: I don't understand the answer that you're making, Miss Madam Vice President. I was shocked. I could not believe how unprepared she was for that question. And that nervous cackle she does at the end, that's a, a Kamala trademark, right? When she doesn't know the answer to something, like, did you see the clip of her when she, somebody asked her, I think it was Jamel Hill. She was on that when, uh, during the, I think during the elections, she hadn't, they hadn't been elected yet. And someone asked her her favorite Rapper and she said I think jay-z and then someone asked her to name a jay-z song and she couldn't name one So she just started laughing. That's what she does when she doesn't have the answer to something And it's so it's not bizarre like a lot of us have nervous tics like that I'll usually like Play with my hair or tug at my ear or something or, or pretend I have a scratch like I'll, I'll try to distract while I pull myself together so I'm not criticizing her nervous tick, but I'm just identifying that as a nervous tick. I cannot believe that her team sent her out there so unprepared. Does she not have advisors that can stop her from being like this? That is what is crazy to me. Because I truly do believe that Kamala was picked for the same reason that Joe was picked to for this presidency, for this this time in office. I I do believe that they're not very strong personalities. And so whoever is kind of behind the scenes having their way or say or at least their heavy influence I know all of you don't agree with me that this is sort of a shadow presidency I kind of think it is and that's not unusual that's not a crazy conspiracy thing it happens from time to time in the United States sometimes you have a strong leader and sometimes you just have a figurehead and it's really the the sort of government behind it that's really pulling the levers and, and it's not weird and it's not unusual even in a great republic like ours, we're no better than our ancestors. <laughs> you know, it's not like political intrigue stopped um, at some point in the twenty first century. That's the it, all this stuff still goes on, and that's fine. Um, like I can accept it. So I, I definitely believe that. She was picked because she's not that strong, but I can't believe that the Democrats who are so good at messaging, typically, who are so good at PR and publicity as aided by their friends in the mainstream media, I just cannot believe that they would allow her to be this unprepared in a national interview with one of America's most respected and good-looking journalists. Lester Holt's lost a lot of weight in the last 10 years. He looks pretty good. Uh, I'm definitely proud of him. I need to get on the Lester Holt plan. I know I do. But I just was shocked at the level of incompetency that that answer elucidated. You know what I mean? Just, wow, Kamala. And, And her response was like, you know, she's repeating it. She's repeating. She's going, I've been to the border. In fact, uh, Ari, will you play that clip one more time? Go ahead. Hit play.
1: We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I don't, mean,
0: I don't, I don't
1: understand the point that you're making.
0: I don't understand the point. I don't understand. We've been to the border. We've been, you can hear the smile. I know this is radio, but you can hear the smile, right? That's the nervous smile. It's the insincere smile. I don't even think Lester was buying it. And I know, I know that our filters, and I'm going to talk about filters on this show, because I know that our filters can prevent us from looking objectively at people. I, and I'm fine with that. I think it's naive to believe that you can live a life without filters. I think the best you can do is understand that you have filters. And so at least treat the information that's coming in through those filters fairly. Like maybe I don't, maybe I can't see the whole story here because I have these filters. So I understand that my filter is set to dislike everything that Campbell Harris says. I get that. But if I try to step outside of that filter... What I'm seeing is a woman who is very ill prepared for the position that she is in. And it's inexcusable. Now, I want you to imagine what happens when Joe Biden goes off into that good night, whether he gets locked in the basement again or whether he just succumbs to, you know, age. I mean, and whatever else is going on with him. I want you to imagine that this woman is the president of the United States and having to meet with some of the the most cruel, savvy and horrific dictators on the face of the planet, in order to work out national security issues, I want you to like take five seconds and think about that. Again, I I and now it's almost like this is the benefit of time, right? You look back on the Obama administration, and I think, well, at least Obama could kind of handle himself on the on the foreign scene. You know, he had some gravitas to him. And, and Kamala has none of that. I know we've pushed her as a female Obama, but I do not think so. I did not look at Obama favorably when he was in office, but I'm starting to look at him more favorably every day now that we're in, uh, ostensibly, Obama's third term. All right, let's go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to follow up with more of Kamala's amazing answer. You're listening to Tony Katz today, and I'm your guest host, Kira Davis. Not gonna take this anymore. Ari, I'm not taking this from you anymore. Not gonna take it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm still not gonna take it. This this was the anthem of my youth. I am that old. Uh I do love me some uh a D Snyder though. Oh, man. So we're talking about um speaking, I'm not going to take it. Camilla is not going to take Lester Holt's questioning. I mean, and I was talking about just the pure level of incompetency outside of my own filters, which I admit are there. I I don't see, I think if this was, I'm trying to imagine, I do the whataboutism thing. This is really important for people. Let me just take a sidebar. I'm famous for, for these sidebars. On my podcast, Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, which is available wherever you find your podcast. What I try to do is get people to draw their talking points to their logical conclusion. I don't think we're always saying what we what we what we think we're saying. And as a pundit, it is really important for me to always be checking in with myself because it's very easy to pull, especially as a conservative. Maybe not especially. I've never been a liberal pundit, so I don't know how hard this is for liberals. I've been a liberal, but never a liberal pundit but i think it's really easy to get pulled really hard to either extreme as a pundit especially when you're getting validation for it you know like you get those clicks you get those red meat clicks and oh they like it is like a little it's like a drug almost and a lot of people get addicted to it and sometimes it's the crazier things that go the furthest on twitter or on social media and and it becomes a cycle a game I'm always having to check in with myself to make sure that I'm not pulling too hard. So hard to the right that I cannot reason. Um, and so one of the exercises I do is the "what about" exercise. And I'm a fan of whataboutism. And I think it's a perfectly fine exercise to to indulge yourself in and to indulge for other people. I know there's a lot of conservatives out there who find it distasteful. I don't understand why. It's just putting the shoe on the other foot, it's just a different name for it. So I always like to say, okay, well, what if this was a Republican sitting in this chair, a Republican that I really like? And so what if it was like, um, you know, Republican politician that I really like? And by the way, really liking a politician is relative, relative to their industry. So let's say if I say like, okay, I I enjoy uh, Rick DeSantis, uh, Ron DeSantis, I swear I cannot ever call him Ron DeSantis on the first try it's always Rick because it was Rick Scott first and now it's Ron DeSantis anyway Ron DeSantis if he was sitting in that chair and he gave that answer outside of it being atypical for him I I'm pretty sure I would be embarrassed I'm I'm pretty sure I would be nervous for him and I would be thinking what is wrong with him and if this was an isolated incident then that's one thing but Kamala seems to exude incompetence and i think even democrat voters agree with me or most i think so uh, at at, on some level playing that clip reminds me why her presidential campaign tanked within five seconds of her having some real time on the debate stage i mean she came away with what less than one percent of the vote you know even her side of the ideological aisle didn't push her into that position absolutely appointed with no mandate no one was excited about her and you can see why i mean it's just astounding so then during the break i'm perusing twitter and seeing what people are saying about Kamala, and i come across this tweet well she's meeting with the president of mexico today and there's a picture of her standing next to the mexican president andreas manuel lopez and she's wearing a mask and he is not she has been vaccinated since December. She got one of the first rounds of vaccinations as most people in our government did as I th- I think they should have, especially our leaders. So she's all she's fully vaccinated. He got his vaccinations in April. He's standing maskless, she's got a mask on. That looks weak to me and for people who think that that's not a big deal, I think that that I think that that shows an ignorance of of global politics because not most countries don't look at respect and strength the way we do as Americans. They don't have our civil rights history, they don't have our political correct wing of the country. You know, they don't have the same social values that we have. So they're Being able to exhibit, that's why it was a big problem with Obama bowing, because a bow for Americans looks like weakness and other cultures think that that looks like weakness because they know we don't do it. So they don't look at it and think, oh, this is, uh, you know, this is somebody who's very open minded when you're talking about the leader, the dictator the dictators of some of these countries who are our frenemies they're not looking at any of this as strength and i can guarantee you that the mexican people looking at this woman i mean that's the this is the thing this is a black woman a black and asian woman by first female vice president of the united states in one of the most powerful positions in in the world really when you think about it relatively speaking she should be strong as heck. Remember Condi Rice when she would go and meet with these uh, leaders of especially like Muslim countries where women aren't even really supposed to be driving. And she knows where these. she knows the liberal press would make fun of her, but she'd wear these boots and, and she looked like a stormtrooper <laughs> in these <laughs> boots like she they just they went up to her knee, thick black boots with a thick heel. She liked, she always wore a skirt. She always wore a skirt because she didn't, she wanted the men to know, yes, this is a woman. Everything about me is a woman. And yes, (laughs) I have more authority than you do. You're negotiating with me. You're talking to the American people, to the president through me. She always, even that cut, even the haircut was stark. You know, she had this, she exuded strength and Kamala in a mask. I think the mask makes you look weak. It's, if you've been vaccinated particularly, here's the president standing strong and, and, and confident. And he's um, told his people to go get the vaccine. And he'd look at me, I got the vaccine and I feel perfectly safe. Kamala doesn't have the same um, mentality about it. And if I were a Mexican, I would actually be offended. I would. I would I would wonder if she was saying something about the cleanliness of the country that she's in or the safety. Not a good look. When we come back, we'll talk more about Kamala on the border because she said something very interesting after that little remark. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today.
1: cool
2: to get away from your parents and i thought wow if i could take this in a shot right now i don't think that we could work this out out on a terrace i don't know if it's
0: fair but i thought how could i let you fall by yourself well, I'm wasted for someone Welcome back else. to Tony Katz Today. I am your host, Kira Davis, editor-at-large for RedState.com, host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. That's available wherever you find your podcasts. And if you like some of the uh, thinking exercises that I'm doing today, go ahead and, and subscribe and download that podcast because I take you through a lot of different concepts on that show. My most recent show is on being colorblind and the concept of Uh, Conservatives like to to say, well, I believe in colorblindness and we should be colorblind. And I actually think that there's an argument to be made that that's um, a detrimental goal. And so I explain myself, but take myself through the talking points on that issue. So go ahead and download download that today. And um, in my podcast, I give you an email where you can contact me wherever you want. We're talking about Kamala Harris today and... The, the weakness that she exuded I, I can only imagine the chaos that is happening on her PR team today when she was here in California for those of you in the heartland you may not know the struggles that we had with her as our attorney general for a while and then our senator for barely any time but she was um she was not known to be that observant and she was actually and this is a rumor I have no information on this This is these are just rumors from my sources in Sacramento but she was people did not like to work with her she was mean that's what people say and I kind of believe it seeing these interviews because I can't believe that any woman who would who would listen to her advisors would have allowed such a travesty to, to happen and I'm sure that the Democrat Party has excellent advisors when it comes to PR stuff. They're very good at it. She's sounding she sounds like a Republican here. Just like Ill prepared, not really knowing how to message, kind of sounding, um, not very in tune with, like not reading the room, not in tune with the culture. That she sounds like kind of a typical old school Republican here in that in that respect. Uh, but one of the other things that Kamala did while she was. Uh, visiting is she addressed the president of Guatemala and their government and she talked about the border and she said actually so she's never been to the border and she's never been to Europe by the way just so you know I don't know if you know that she said I didn't I forgot this part because she said that as if that was like oh well of course you've never been to Europe like why, uh, you know, there's, we don't have a border crisis in Europe. I don't know why. First of all, I don't know why you would answer with that, because there's absolutely no reason for you, you haven't been put in charge of any borders in Europe. You've been put in charge of our border here. Second of all, it seems weird that the Vice President hasn't been to Europe yet, doesn't it? I know we're in a pandemic, but but, uh, uh, official, like diplomacy travel has started up, and all of the diplomats are vaccinated and especially in a country like the united states where we're having trouble convincing everybody to get vaccinated because we're not a dictatorship you would want to be showing it would just seem like you'd want to be showing that you're okay with your vaccine just lead by example so anyways she hasn't been to the border but She doesn't want you to come to the border either, Guatemalans. So Ari, go ahead and play this clip of her talking about the border.
1: I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to
0: our border, you will be turned back. So let's discourage- Lies what evidence is there that they will be turned back my colleague julio uh rojas who works over at town hall he's on the border beat he's been on the border off and on for the last six months or so texas uh california and parts of arizona and i i highly go to townhall.com look up julio or look up julio rojas on twitter He's one of the best reporters on the border right now. And every day, if you go to his account, every day there's video of people streaming across the border by the hundreds, the dozens and the hundreds. He talks to one Border Patrol agent in Texas who said they're seeing maybe about 600 people a day. Can you imagine 600 people a day crossing the border throughout the throughout eight years of Joe Biden? That's pretty incredible. So I, I, you know, this is definitely lip service that Kamala is paying because there's no evidence that that sh- that they're going to get stopped at the border or turned back. If I knew what was going on, I'd be looking at her going, you're a bald faced liar. If I was a, a Guatemalan, I'd be like, I'm going anyways, because I know it's not true. I know it's not true. Also, has Kamala just proven herself a racist? Let's talk about filters again right it's funny how your filter will change what the person is saying to you if this is trump saying this he's a xenophobe he's a racist he's a bigot if this is kamala harris saying it what is it is it is it strength or is it bigotry i would say the closest to honest that we have seen as a response to this plea from Kamala Harris, has come from AOC, Al, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Alexi, as I like to call her, and uh, and Lexi said did tweet out today that she was quote disappointed. Now her filter is set to big bad orange man, right? So she's not going to totally har- as harshly judge her own side but I think that was as close to honest as honest a response as you're going to get from the left and that's what she said you know she was like I'm disappointed that that this is how Kamala our vice president has chosen to address the, the needs of immigrants or escaping poverty and 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 disease and and political oppression and of course everything is our fault. If you go to that thread on Twitter, she's talking about how the US created this problem. It's like the, our, the US is like mom. Now that I'm a mom with older kids, I realize how like moms can never win. It's just everything is your fault everything is your fault <laughs> if they're successful whatever part wasn't successful is your fault and you just can't escape it i can remember when my son was three and we were walking out a door and he tripped over like the lip of the door and he fell down and when he and he, and he hurt himself and he's crying and he goes mommy your thoughts made me fall <laughs> it's like i can't win he literally blamed me for <laughs> tripping over his own two feet it's like that With the United States, like we're just our very existence is to blame for everyone else's misery. Not a surprise that you're going to find in her timeline. But, you know, if today we were talking about filters yesterday, I talked a lot about making the other side play by their own rules. And if we're going to do this and let's do it. So if these are the rules you set up for Trump, then they've got to apply to you, too. So Kamala Harris is probably a racist. What does she have against the Guatemalan people? Why doesn't she like Guatemalans? Is it because they're brown and poor? Does she think they're all rapists? And they're going to cry, you know, she should have to answer those questions. And if the media, the mainstream media were honest, they would, they would ask her those questions. Instead, we get the pseudo hard questions from guys like Lester Holt, which was barely a hard question but at least he went somewhere near controversy with her imagine i mean really like take one second and imagine what it would be like if you heard one reporter in the white house press room which by the way is packed now everybody's vaccinated they're packed back into the to the press room briefing which i like but then why is our vice president standing in a mask next to the president of mexico when both have been vaccinated Nothing makes sense these days. And that is what I think is is troubling me the most. I am a logical person. I depend on logic and reason. And I battle for those things. And I cannot tolerate illogic. And I think that's what's been causing me to lose my hair for the last year. Because there's so much illogic surrounding our COVID response. And now, illogic that's making its way into the media and the government, I... I struggle with it. I I really do. It just doesn't make sense. It's like none of this is thought through. It's like they're just making it up as they go along. And how can that be? I've the Democrats won. They won. I cannot understand how they are so unprepared for what is going on. I don't understand what is going on, really. And I couldn't you couldn't have told me. A year ago that the Democrats would be this bad in office, would be this unprepared. You, you couldn't I wouldn't have believed you after what I saw them pull off in 2020. No way. These guys are highly organized. They know what they're doing. They know what side their their bread is buttered on. They know where their help comes from. They know how to message. They know what levers to pull to get the media to circle the wagons like they're really good at it. I just, this looks like pure incompetence to me, and I'm not sure that this is what they meant it to look like, which is astounding as well. Let's take a break, and when we get back, uh, I will talk about uh, Jamel Hill and white supremacy. Yeah, white supremacy on the rise, you guys. Be very, very scared. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Cats today. I'm Kira Davis, editor at large for RedState.com, and host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. And if you'd like to hear more from me, talk to me, chat with me, get to know more of my thoughts, see bonus videos and rants from me, don't join my growing community over at DavisNation.Locals.com. We have uh, we have discussions. One of the things I love about the community over there is that I like to challenge. community members to think through different scenarios and really i just think it's really important to be able to defend your arguments and that should not be based on what other people think or how other people express themselves i see a lot of conservatives apologizing before they render their opinion these days i'm not a trumper but you know or i'm not like you know choose whatever politician that you hate on i'm not like a desantis guy but you know you don't need to You don't need to apologize because you don't want to be associated with the people who seem a little extreme to you or maybe part of a political cult that you're not comfortable with. If you believe your ideas, if you believe in what you believe, then you don't need to worry about what other people around you are saying or how they're expressing themselves. I always say this about being a conservative. I'm not a conservative because of other conservatives. I'm a conservative because I believe that these are the principles and the values that will most quickly lift the black community out of where they are and into their rightful place, as I see it as a black woman in American society. I'm a conservative because I love black people and maybe someday I'll share the story of how I became a conservative through serving my community. It was serving my community that actually changed my mind about politics. Somebody who wouldn't agree with me is Jamel Hill. I don't know if you know Jamel Hill. She writes for the Atlantic. She was a, was Jamel, I think she used to be like a sportscaster or something. I don't know, she's a personality. I, she's a bit much for me, but the title of her podcast I love, it's called Jamel Hill is Unbothered. (laughs) And I really like that, but she's cuckoo. And the Democrats have been uh, complaining a lot about this filibuster. They want to get rid of the filibuster because they know that they have a very limited time with full power in the House. Right. Probably 2022 is going to. Polling is is leaning towards Republicans taking back Congress in 2022. I think emotionally speaking, it seems like it's going that way and nothing seems to be going well for the Democrats for them to run on right now. Um, And then, of course, there's 2024. And so they want to eliminate this filibuster, which is so short-sighted. It's just so short-sighted. I mean, they're, they're painting Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin as horrible people because they're opposing this. And they'll be thanking them when the Democrats are back in the minority. I, I cannot believe that Democrats think that this is the end of the Republican Party. It never is. Half the country doesn't disappear because your guy's, your guy is in office. It's not how any of this works. Even with all of the censorship on on social media, just because Trump's Twitter account disappeared didn't mean that eighty million Trump voters disappeared. All those people are still there. So Jamel Hill says, now that Manchin has said he's not doing it, he's not messing with this. He doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster. He's thinking ahead. Now, will I be happy when Democrats use the filibuster to? To filibuster Republican attempts at reform or whatever or legislation, yeah, it'll be really annoying. But the fact is, is that he is thinking ahead to when they will need it. There, Jamel Hill is labeling uh, support for keeping the fil- uh, for keeping the filibuster in place as white supremacy, because that is always the last stop in the argument Olympics from Democrats. It really is. Now it's white supremacy because he wants to preserve Democrats' uh, ability to resist Republicans down the road when Republicans get power. She says this is so on brand for this country. Record number of black voters show up to save this democracy only for white supremacy to be upheld by a cowardly, hum- power-hungry white dude. Senator Joe Manchin is a cloud. You can never, he, uh, I said a cloud, a clown. <laughs> you can never win with these people. And the idea that everything they don't like is white supremacy. White supremacy, much like the word racist, is becoming a moot term. It's just, it's losing its meaning. It's just, it's absolutely ridicu- ridiculous. And it's thoughtless. It's thoughtless of the Jamel, and that's her shtick, but it's thoughtless of her to paint this guy who's on her side as a white supremacist just because he's looking ahead. And by the way, let me tell you, as a black woman, as a black American, there is no day when I wake up and worry about white supremacy in this country. My son doesn't, my daughter doesn't, my husband doesn't. We are all black. We're all black. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing on my mind is not, oh my gosh, the white supremacy is out there to get me. What do I do? Should I cower in fear? I'm just so scared. I would go through every day of my life never thinking about the white supremacy, white supremacy at all, if left wingers didn't mention it every single freaking day. It really is not on my radar and neither for my kids. But apparently the filibuster is white supremacy. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Tacona Cats today. I'm Kira Davis. welcome back. Did you guys miss me? Just go to the bathroom, get something to eat, get all squared away so you can sit down and focus on my lovely, melodic, not at all annoying voice. Great. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz. I'm editor-at-large for redstate.com. I am the host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis and as always, it's a privilege to be with you guys in the heartland and across America streaming at wibc.com. I am so thrilled to be here. Did you guys know that I, I talked a little bit before the break about being a conservative and how one of the things that made me a conservative was serving my own community. And it really changed how I looked at policy how I looked at the policies, particularly how they deal with the black community. Well, that community was Gary, Indiana. And so Gary, Indiana has been named the most liberal city in America. I think it's just because it's mostly black. And so it's a lot of default Democrats. But whatever, if you go online, it'll pop up as most uh, most liberal city in America, which I don't think is like a badge of honor if you've ever been to Gary, Indiana. But... Lots of great people there. And I guess I have the most liberal city in America to thank for turning me into a conservative. And uh, we still have family there, although my family has had to, to leave and and find uh, prosperity elsewhere in the country. But uh, Gary really taught me a lot about life in good ways and ho- tough lessons, you know, but I'm, I'm thankful for Gary and my time in Gary. Um, And and serving my community really taught me how to love this country in a way and love all of the pieces of it, the good and the bad. And it's just very, I find it very strange that Americans are so, that it's become an intellectual position to hate America. It's like, I think the left has painted themselves into this corner, this is my opinion, where they can't even present themselves as patriotic because to do so would be to they they have decided to equate patriotism with white supremacy which is absolutely insane it makes no sense unless you think that the goal is to dismantle the republic otherwise it makes no sense i don't it's like it's like i would be grossly offended if my son um Took my car that I let him drive, uh, got into the clothes that I bought for him, packed the lunch that I made for him, and then went and stood, drove to the street corner and set up a, set up an amp that I bought for him and an electric guitar that we gave to him, and then started complaining about what uh, a terrible conditions he lives in in our home. It doesn't make sense like obviously he has complaints about us that are valuable don't tell him i said that obviously some of his complaints probably have merit but to publicly denounce us as inferior parents uh because he didn't get everything he wants or because we still have problems in this home of some sort or another i would be grossly offended i think it's the, the same kind of concept i don't quite understand why to be left-wing you have to hate America or act like you hate America but if I talk to my left-wing friends like that like when I say that they'll always be like I'm a patriot dissent dissent is patriotic and I, I do love America but I never hear them say they love America I never hear anybody start with this country is so amazing and talk about the positive aspects of this country you just you you never hear it every panel show is about the disaster that is about to fall up befall america and every op-ed from the left is about the sins of america and again not to say that those things don't deserve to get pointed out but if that's all you're pointing out that's a concern for me mara gay is the opinion editor Over at the New York Times, a young lady, a young black woman who I think is, I don't know what to think of the New York Times anymore. The millennials are taking over there. And that is why things are dipping. Millennials don't have a sense of, I don't think they have the same work ethic as like my parents' generation did. And my parents were hippies. (laughs) I don't think they have the same work ethic. And obviously that doesn't apply to all of you millennials. I understand this is a generalization and it's weak as generalizations go. But if you're wondering what's happening at the New York Times, the inmates are now running the asylum. The millennials are in their 30s now. They're starting to step into management positions. And Mara Gay is one of those people. And she's very left wing without being very thoughtful. And I I just it it astounds me that that it astounds me that thoughtless people can run our nation's (laughs) institutions like that. And when I say thoughtless, I don't mean uh, rude or mean. I mean that she, she doesn't think critically about the things she's saying. She went on a panel show the other day and she said that uh, you know, she was just really disgusted to see uh, a bunch of American flags flying in, in Long Island. It, it really was people had American flags on their trucks and it triggered her. I mean, can you imagine being an American and being offended by the American flag? It's her flag too. What is the problem? Why is the flag a trigger? Let's, Ari, let's play this clip. And uh, I don't know if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to start and stop through some of it because it's about a minute long or so. And um, yeah, we'll do it that way. So go ahead and hit
2: play. I think this is another area where Democrats really need to get serious about talking about what this threat is. Uh, I think you said it really well, Joe, a minute ago, where you talked about uh, the need to stop being surprised by all of this uh, and start taking it seriously. You know, it's really concerning to me that the Democrats haven't just gone ahead at this point and said, we're doing this on our own in terms of uh, getting a commission together uh, to explain to the American people how we allowed the insurrection to take place. stop right
0: there. All right, she says it's really, that's Mara Gay. It's really, she's, she's as young as she sounds. It's really concerning to me that the Democrats have just have not already said, you people don't matter. We're going ahead with this. Washington, D.C. has two parties in it, Mara, and they have to work together. And the reason why the Democrats have not gone ahead and just forced this issue is because they know there's no there there. Believe me, if they thought they could win this, if they thought that this was going to be a huge, a huge scandal, something to sink the Republicans with, they would do it. Democrats are not stupid, despite having listened to our vice president last hour. Democrats are not stupid. They've been playing this game for a long time, Mara. They know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. They, they, don't, they don't want this commission. They don't, because it's not going to yield the things that they need it to yield, and they know this. It's better to have the anger about the commission, and it's better to keep people um, heightened about what happened in January at the Capitol. It's better to keep people heightened about that rather than, than have this commission and then have the commission explain that well most of these people were just hanging around and, and you know there, it wasn't as this existential threat that we kept being told it was this way. Democrats can run on the fear of it rather than dispel the fear by quote, getting to the bottom of it. They don't want to get to the bottom of it, Mara. That's not how any of it works.
2: All right, hit play and said, we're doing this on our own in terms of uh, getting a commission together uh, to explain to the American people how we allowed the insurrection to take place in the Capitol. I think that really needs to move forward swiftly. Um, You know, the reality is here that uh, we have a large percentage of the American population. I don't know how big it is, but we have tens of millions of Trump voters who uh, continue to believe that their rights as citizens are under threat by simple virtue of having to share the democracy with others stop
0: stop hypocrite anyone hello are you looking in the mirror mara you're 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 literally on a panel complaining about how half the country want wants to uh end democracy for you That's what you're doing. And now you're complaining about other people complaining about how half America wants to end democracy for them. Do you see, folks, that this is all a stupid game? She wasn't even smart enough to think that point through. How ignorant can you be? Oh, my gosh. She was just that 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 just was like she contradicted herself right there in the span of two seconds. But that is how this is why I do my podcast. Just listen to yourself because i don't think are you listening to yourself people don't think through their talking points oh it's okay if i believe this it's not okay if you believe it because i'm on the right side and you're evil i don't know how to end this ridiculousness i really don't my my strategy is just sharing logic and helping people think critically about their ideas so that they can defend their ideas instead of painting each other as evil because we believe different things about getting where we need to go. I don't know how many voters, tens of millions. Yes, Mara, half the country. We didn't go away when Trump went away. They're not, I I hate to break this to you. These people aren't going anywhere. They've always been here. They aren't Republicans. They aren't conservatives. They aren't evil white supremacists. They're simply half the country. All right, all right, uh, keep playing. I know we're going a little long, but we'll.
2: Um, I think uh, as long as they see Americanness as the same as one with whiteness, this is going to continue. We have to figure out how to get every American a place at the table in this democracy, but how to separate americanness america from whiteness until we can confront Mm -hmm. that and talk about that this is really going to continue i was on long island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend and i was really disturbed i saw you know dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with uh you know uh explicatives against joe biden uh on the back of them yep. uh, trump yep. flags and in some cases just dozens of american flags
0: which oh my you know, god you can stop it right there oh my god are you kidding dozens of american flags and and bumper stickers with expletives. I mean, you know what? Five of my neighbors still have F Trump stickers on their cars. I mean, come on, Mara. This is what happens when you live in a bubble and you don't get outside. She's New York City royalty. She has no idea how the rest of the country is living. She just said that the American flag scares her. I suggest, Mara, you go somewhere else that has a flag that feels friendlier to you. And then report back. Tell us how life's going there for you. You're definitely not going to be the opinion editor of the the world's largest newspaper and most prestigious newspaper in, in most other countries. But, you know, go ahead. Take a leap. Tell us how it goes. All right, let's take a break. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm your fill-in host, Kira Davis, editor at large for RedState.com. I almost forgot where I worked just now, and so, oh, so just listen to yourself podcast because Ari and I were having a really discussion, a really good discussion at the break about free healthcare. And Ari w- knows that I'm I'm Canadian, although I've uh, been an American since I was 18, but um, was born and raised in Canada. And uh, Ari would like to have free free healthcare. He thinks that that would be an ideal um, thing. And I told him, you get what you pay for.
3: You misrepresented by statement.
0: Well, you mer- represent yourself.
3: I said, in a dream scenario, free healthcare would oh, be yeah. great. I just don't know how to do it.
0: Right. You don't know how to do it because you're a smart man and you know that it can't be done. That's why you don't know how to do it. It's not that you're not smart enough to figure it out. It's that you have figured it out and you know it can't be done.
3: That's yeah, what I'm afraid of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, we all we all would love free things. Look, the thing about Canadian health care is that it works well for some people. It really does. That is not that is a, not a lie. Uh, if you're young, you know, you, you fit they, the Canadian government uses an algorithm that and uh, there was a lot of fuss about this one when, when Obamacare came into play. Um, and the Canadian government doesn't call it death panels, but there are panels that they that you have to go through to prove that you're worthy of xyz treatment right and if you're younger um, and in the prime of your life and the government feels like okay you've got a lot in front of you as a taxpayer as a contributor then you're going to get access to like babies are gonna get quicker access to care young people but if you're older like my mom's age you're waiting 22 24 months for an MRI you might live in a place where there's no doctors because doctors aren't incentivized by profits to move around And it just it doesn't work because because, you know, you you get what you pay for. And Ari, I believe in dealing with the world the way it is, not the way you wish it could be. I
3: you know, that's that's very reasonable of you. I just I'm I'm an (laughs) eternal optimist
0: (laughs) that you hope someday that you can get free health care. You hope for it. But if you have free health care, don't you have access to the fruits of someone's labor for free?
3: I mean, I want to live with hovercrafts, too, and I know that's not going to happen, but I can dream, can't I?
0: Ari, now now you're being a pessimist. Don't tell me we're never going to have hovercrafts.
3: Oh, you and I will be dead and buried by that point.
0: We cannot have free health care, but damn it, I want my flying cars. I have paid my dues, and the Jetsons prom- promised it to me when I was, like, five. Where are they? I don't have flying cars. I have Camel Harris. I don't know if
3: referencing the Jetsons is going to be your best argument there.
0: <laughs> Are you calling me
3: old? I wow. no, I I'm just saying like that's 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 a that's a tough uh, tough standard to hold up to.
0: Oh, so so you're saying that I'm being unrealistic for depending on a cartoon to dictate the future to me?
3: I mean, a little bit.
0: How very dare you? How very dare you? I do sometimes wonder, though, you know, um, I've said this before because 2020 was a crazy year. I have a 19-year-old son who was basically, he graduate quote, graduated in 2020. He didn't really, but... Anyways, um, he left high school in 2020. And I remember when we realized that we had a 2020 baby and we we're like, oh, it's going to be so cool. He's going to graduate in 2020. How awesome is that? 2020 is going to be amazing. We're going to be in flying cars. We're going to have like self-driving cars. Like traffic will be a thing of the past. It's going to be so advanced. Like we'll have access to so much energy information and humans will finally find peace. And it's like 2020 was the worst year ever. It was terrible. And on top of all of the crap happening with a global pandemic, there are no flying cars and there are barely self-driving cars. Now we're going to Mars. Why can't we have self-driving vehicles be more at least more common now here in california they're on the roads they are actually tesla has been test driving self-driving trucks semi-trucks for years now i don't know how long they have to do it for before they can get approved but if you're driving through california you'll see wide uh wide shoulders so they we have terrible traffic they expanded the freeways but all they did was widen the shoulder it was really insulting. They, they hardly added any new lanes. It was really insulting. So I went to the transportation website to see what was up. When can I use these lanes? Well, though it turns out buried deep down inside the website is a little nugget of information that says the wide shoulders are for self-driving semis because this is what will have to be regulated in order to put self-driving semis on the road. Come to find out, self-driving semis have been on the road in california already for years and that that's creepy that's super creepy so now I've, i can't see into a driver's window when the, when i'm looking at a truck i always think gosh this is this is a self-driving car Ooh. well listen anyways i know we've got to get to a break ari but when we come back i do want to pick your brain about something that we we were talking about off-air and something that people are really concerned about. There's the CRT battle going on. There's this teacher in Loudoun County who got put on leave for opposing the trans uh, agenda in his classroom. And Ari had some opinions. So the next segment here on the Tony Cats today, here on Tony Katz today will be Ari has an opinion about something. And I cannot wait for you to hear him and discuss this with him. So don't go anywhere. You're going to want to hear what he has to say. He's an intelligent young man. I'm Kira Davis, billing in for Tony Katz today. See you on the other side. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your host, Kira Davis, filling in for Tony Katz while he takes a well-deserved vacation. I'm editor-at-large for RedState.com, host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. And I want to talk about this issue of critical race theory. Ari and I were talking about it over the break and we weren't really talking about CRT, but we were kind of talking about the pushback to it. There's a teacher in Loudon Loudoun County, though, who is pushing back not against CRT, but it but against trans um agenda I don't know how else to say the curriculum agenda in the classroom's name is Tanner Cross. He was uh fired or or put on leave for going to the school board meeting and expressing his consternation about having to um use this curriculum and address kids like this in school. Uh, So let's play that um, audio, Ari, just so we can set up this discussion. My name is Tanner Cross, and I am speaking out of love for those who suffer with gender dysphoria. 60 Minutes this past Sunday interviewed over 30 young people who transitioned, but they felt led astray because lack of pushback or how easy it was to make physical changes to their bodies in just three months. They are now detransitioning. It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies like 8040 and 8035 because it will damage children, defile, defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion, it's lying to a child, it's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against our God okay so when i sent ari that clip he was like i don't like this basically you know i'm just recapping for you but he said i don't like this it makes me uncomfortable tell me why and you asked me is this guy a public school teacher or private school teacher you wanted to know because why
3: oh if he's private school teacher no problem whatsoever you're allowed to have your religious beliefs in a private school but in a public so, school, yeah, like, no. You, so you didn't like
0: that he went to that meeting and invoked his religion as, as part of his opposition to the... What did you think of the policy that he was I, I think complaining it's a, about? Do so you think it, he had a right to complain about the policy?
3: Irrelevant to the conversation. To this conversation? I think the idea, I whether or not he was right or wrong, I'm not going to comment on, but the fact that okay. your job... He's a gym teacher. I looked it up. Your job is yes. to teach gym. I don't right. need you to have... You can have political, religious, personal opinions. They're irrelevant. I don't need to know them. Your job is to teach Jim. The fact that my kid might come home now and say, my gym teacher said that being transgender is a sin against God. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, teach
0: Jim. I I can have that conversation with my kids. Do you think that that was part of his complaint, though? Like, he was saying, I want to teach Jim. I don't want to have to affirm gender identity and have these gender identity discussions in my classroom. I just want to teach him. And by the way, I think we should be for clarity's sake. He was at a school board meeting. He wasn't at school. And so there's no proof that he talks like this at school. But um, at what point do you because um, I'm just curious about this. I don't I'm not offended by your opinion in any way, but I am curious about when is this guy allowed to express his opinions on what happens in the in his workplace. I, I so my issue maybe it's cuz I'm Jewish and so I, I think that's part of it cuz Jews have a lot of problem with our Christian evan- evangelizing it's not part of No, Jewish I know it's it's culture. not that. yeah like, my
3: wife is Christian. Like we celebrate Christmas. It's oh, okay. that as soon as well, you yeah, as soon as you tell me that you're going to bring up God in a public school setting, that makes me nervous because but,
0: that's a but re- was he he,
3: he he was at the meeting. His his exact quote was, "This defile this defiles the holy image of God." And when he right, said he
0: wasn't saying that to a kid, he was saying that to the school board. But
3: you can't put the GD back in the bottle, like you're if there are kids listening to that.
0: Maybe. Well, what about the like like what what of his rights does he set aside as a public school teacher? Because he does have the right. He, correct. He has a right to practice right Religion. He does.
3: Correct. Absolutely.
0: So, so how much of that do you put? As, this is a this is like a legit question or a legit issue that a lot of people have. That I don't know that we've totally worked out, but I think it's worth exploring. If like, you're, how much do you put aside when you when you go to work?
3: I, you are With allowed anything? to have your own opinions. You're allowed to have your own religious beliefs. If your conviction and your prerogative is that strong that you just can't stay quiet at a public school, then you can't work there. Like I and it's nothing against the religion, but it's the fact that if 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 your conviction is that strong, the public school is not the place for you to make this claim. And I know that's weird to hear because the majority of this country is Christian. But the example I give is that if this person had come forward and said I live my life based on the Quran and people who are not wearing hijabs offend me, we would immediately say that's not appropriate in a public school setting. There's no difference in my mind between that and what he said in terms of Christianity.
0: But why is it his his religious view that is that is offensive to you to be to be pushed in public schools, but it's not the religious view of, of the of the gender identity issue that is the problem. Like one both sides are pushing really hard. So if you're saying this is he is you know he has no place talking like this in the classroom, these are personal opinion, isn't the other thing personal opinion as well? Who gets to express their personal opinion in public school and who doesn't?
3: I I guess if the 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 answer I'm trying to give, and I'm not sure if it's gonna be satisfying or not, is that in a public school setting, your words, even in a school board meeting where you know they're gonna be public whether or not they're valid or not, which his opinions are completely valid and I'm not disagreeing with them, but you've realized you've opened the can of worms now that you've made this opinion known and there are parents who are going to disagree with this opinion the same way if he came forward and said, we should be supporting trans people and giving them whatever they want. There'd be an alternative who would be upset
0: because he said that at a
3: school board meeting.
0: Right. Right, but isn't that kind of the yin and the yang, the push and the pull of a society where not everyone agrees? In a public
3: school setting where everyone's paying taxes why for it. Why is
0: public school Ari, Ari, why is public school sort of exempt from and like why well, how is it that that the the term public school sort of sort of allows for the complete erasure of your human rights when you walk into the classroom? Just curious why the public part to you means that everybody gives up their right to free speech when they walk in the door
3: as callous as this sounds your job is to teach math like your personal and political opinions are so irrelevant and i don't need you telling those to i my love
0: kids. that ari i love that and i totally agree with you and i kind of think that that's what he was saying like i totally agree with you this is why i think critical race theory is kind of bs and doesn't belong in the schools that's why i think gender identity and even a lot of what we deem we've had a terrible sex ed battle here in california i mean what they're teaching kids is it's pornography. I couldn't even explain it to you on the radio, but um, but like yeah, I agree with you. Why just teach math? Just teach my kids to read. So how do we get to this place where that's what we're teaching? Because that's not what's happening. Otherwise, this guy isn't standing up there making the statement, right?
3: Oh, I mean, if you're asking me for a solution, then you know,
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> said, I'm gonna I'm I've gonna, gone gonna,
3: too far. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna punt on that one.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I've gone too far. Well, I would like to remind you before we go to break here, that um, you know, that there is an amendment in the constitution that says you have a right to express your religion freely in public.
3: There is. At the same time there's a amendment in the Constitution that says you can carry weapons, but at the same time public schools can prevent a teacher from carrying into the school.
0: That's a travesty by travesty. Maybe it is. I'm just I, I was, that's my <laughs> counterpoint yes counterpoint. I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll say this. I think a lot of people, I'm actually not accusing you of this, by the way. I, I just think that there are probably people listening to our discussion right now who are going, you know, uh, because it's a public school, you can't, you know, Congress won't establish a religion. And this kind of falls under that. And that's why you can't be expressive in school. But people always forget the second part of the amendment. So the first amendment says congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof no one ever reads that second part or prohibiting the free exercise thereof and then the rest of of course is or of the right of the press or the right of the people to peacefully assembly assemble and to, the, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, which I suppose is what that teacher was doing as well. So I guess, I think the whole thing I have here is like, which is why I was so interested in hearing your opinion. I just thought it was an interesting opinion that um, outside of the morality of the gender issue that was being discussed there, that you just thought, well, you know, he should kind of keep his mouth shut at school. But I just, I think it is a valid question. Like, um, who are you when are you allowed to say what you think
3: oh you're asking me yeah oh my god when you're allowed to? so I, <laughs> I mean you're always allowed to say what you think I just have an issue okay. with pushing pushing any sort of religious ideals in a public setting that is not a universal religious truth
0: but that'll be for that'll be anywhere
3: Yeah, that's I I, you've you've caught me in a trap like that's that's the problem.
0: Right, because then if we're going to extend our logic out on this, then do we celebrate the lighting of the menorah every, you know, year or do we have Christmas trees and because then that's all religious expression, you know, in public square. So do we do any of that, which is something that the atheists are always pushing back on. Right. I so mean, was you telling can, us you know, like do we can't you have these these are not for the public square that these are private views and they do not belong anywhere out in public
3: there's a difference between doing it in public and putting it towards my children in school like I have no problem with the Christmas trees or any religious uh, events in public but like don't do that to my kids in school
0: are you allowed to to express that to the people who make the policy for your kids in school
3: You could express it. They may not listen.
0: Well, I think that's what happened with this guy. And they didn't listen and they they put him on leave. Uh, But today, breaking news is Tanner Cross has actually won a lawsuit. He'll be reestablished. ADF took up his case. He'll be reestablished in his position as of today. But this is definitely not the end of it. I think the school is planning on taking this further. Um, I wouldn't suggest it. Sounds like the ADF is pretty... Uh, they've got their case pretty sewn up, but yeah, that's what's going on so far. All right, we've got to go to a break. Ari, thank you. Ari has an opinion on something; is a great segment on the show. I love it. Thank you so much, Ari, for being honest and and engaging in that uh, discussion. I appreciate it.
3: No problem.
0: All right, cool. Um, and I and I'm sorry that I've been so insulting towards millennials this this episode. I do <laughs> love some of you. All right, you guys, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about what's going on. I'm Kira Davis. You're listening to Tony Cats Today.
2: Can you blow my whistle, baby, whistle, baby, let me know. Girl, I'm going to show you how to do it and we start real slow. You just put your lips together.
0: Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I am your fill-in host, Kira Davis, editor-at-large for RedState.com. Ari and I were talking at the break about foster, fostering dogs and fostering animals, and I'm a foster dog parent. And Ari, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised to learn that you are as well.
3: I was forced upon it but yes i am
0: <laughs> i i love it it wasn't his idea it was wife's idea and somehow ari is just this unwitting accomplice no, my, she... <laughs> my, my heart
3: my, my heart just I, I have a big heart and i just i love them all
0: it's tough no 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 it, it, that's no joke It it is hard especially when they're so adorable and you like if you get a puppy or and uh, the dog i have now is this beautiful husky who was kind of abandoned in the desert and and was very abused and She's really blossomed in the couple of weeks we've had her and we're going to have to let her go at the end of the week. There is that part of it that feels sad, but it's also my favorite part, believe it or not. I, I love to see when they find like a forever family. That makes me feel good. Like, okay, I gave this dog some extra time to be able to find somebody. So think of it that way.
3: Oh, no, I have no regrets. I just, I yeah. know I was tricked by my wife into doing I it. I love
0: that. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part. It's like suddenly you went from no animals to like all the animals. She, she knew. <laughs> like she she had did this, that without you knowing. It was a long
3: con and she got me, but I, I have no regrets.
0: <laughs> Good for you. I love it. Well, I, the world needs more people like you. And I hope, uh, it, my hope is that someday when my kids are, are done needing me, that I actually will move from fostering dogs to fostering kids that's always been my intention so i hope to be able to do that too and if you guys feel moved to move in that direction i hope you will because the world needs more good foster parents you guys seem like good people and i like your wife because she's got your number and I oh like
3: that. dude i'm whipped
0: <laughs> see we know what we're doing we women know what we're doing um Let's see. I wanted to say this before we go go to our break. um, And next hour, we're going to have on Carol Roth from Fox News. I'm excited to have her on to talk about the economy a little bit. But uh, we've been talking about pushing back. We had this discussion about Tanner Cross and his religious views, uh, uh, talking to the school board. And there are a lot of people who think that pushing back against critical race, a lot of conservatives now, I mean, obviously liberals think that It's stupid. But there are a lot of conservatives who feel like, hey, we shouldn't be banning critical race theory. We're not people who ban things. That's the left. You know, we should be replacing it with better ideas, which I like. I like that idea. And there's certainly gaps in American history that deserve to be focused on. And I think I mentioned yesterday the idea that maybe Black History Month has prevented us from moving forward. In in expanding our view of Black history as quote American history, which of course it is, you know, you can't tell the story of America without the story of Black America. There's no such thing; they are intertwined. So, I've been thinking about this, and I push very hard as a Black parent, but as a Christian, really, I push really hard against critical race theory, because it, it it's all the bad parts of religion without the good parts of religion. You know, it's, it's eternal punishment without redemption. It's, it's unforgiveness. It's, uh it's penance, you know, it's, it's eternal punishment, there's no way out of it. And I do think I'm I'm very libertarian, but I can't be all the way libertarian because I actually think that there are places where the government has an a, an interest in preserving certain parts of society. One of the places is marriage, uh, although we this isn't an issue anymore. But when we used to talk about the issue of marriage and how we define it in this country, there were a lot of people, conservatives and, of course, libertarians, who said, look, we could get rid of this issue right now if we just all agreed that the government has no place in marriage at all. But I don't agree, actually. Not that I want the government, like the government doesn't sanction the sanctity of my marriage, right? That's God. That's from on high. But as a policy, yeah, it absolutely does behoove the government to support marriage because marriage by all by every available metric through all of humanity marriage is actually the bedrock of a stable society right so you want to support that so that you're uh building a thriving society so there the government has a self-interest so i think banning crt is a is is in the government's self-interest i'll explain later when we get back um, on the other side of this break don't go anywhere I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz and you're listening to Tony Katz Today. All right, welcome back to Tony Katz Today. Man, time flies when you're having fun. We're in hour three already. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz. He's taking a well deserved vacation this week. Talking to Ari on the break about getting the heck up out of California where i'm at i know tony's always telling me what are you doing there still get out um i don't know if you've got a piece of land for me let me know contact tony (laughs) and drop it i'll i'll take a look but woo, dire straits here in california the governor's decided not to give up his power on june 15th as promised so now he's actually getting sued by a couple of republican representatives in sacramento yeah we have a couple of those in this state believe it or not we'll see how it goes but i wanted to continue my thought that i was saying before the break it's i'm pushing back on critical race theory this is why i am in favor of because i i have very liberty libertarian tendencies and i really don't think that you should be banning things and canceling things but i do think sometimes it is in the government's interest to do so Critical race theory, and I know this is gonna sound like a buzzword, but you're gonna to have to trust me that I know what I'm talking about and I've done my research. Critical race theory is just an extension of Marxism. It was a it was a call, it used to be called critical um I can't race was not in the title, and I can't remember the, the title now, but it was established in 1989 by a couple of professors who took their their basis for this theory from the Marxist playbook and they talked about using this to address class struggles and issues so as america as americans this country as a capitalist country we've always been opposed to marxism always been opposed to communism it's it's you can remember the cold war and we've even banned you know we banned communism in this country somehow crept back in but but we've banned it because we see communism as a defective idea and ideas as we know you and i know this well ideas are very powerful sometimes they are more powerful than war an idea can change the world and in fact for some people for many people an idea has changed the world the idea that martin luther king had that that a black man could stand alongside a white man in true equality one day and have access to the full breadth of American opportunity, that's an idea that changed the face of this nation. So we shouldn't spit at ideas or we shouldn't turn our, our noses at the idea of an idea. It's very important that the idea of America is protected every bit as much as the borders of America are protected. So this is one case, and I'm not making a case for using this willy-nilly. I do think that this idea has got to be applied where necessary and, and with scarcity. But critical race theory is rooted in a communist idea. And to have that sifting through the public school system that educates our children who will become the citizens who pay the taxes and protect this country is a bad idea. So I definitely do think that in in the interest of protecting national security that, quote, some ideas should be banned from the, the public square as funded by the taxpayer. Which is basically kind of what Ari, Ari was saying in, in our previous segment. Um, Ari has an opinion about something. You know, that, that these, are, these are taxpayer institutions and these, you know, you don't have the right to say these things. I guess I'm making kind of the same argument for pushing back. Same argument, different sides of it. But the, the idea that this could be allowed to, I just think it's very dangerous that we raise kids to hate themselves and to resent each other. That is a dangerous idea. And it will never go well. There's no segment in society where this is a productive philosophy. That being said, I think the argument against CRT could be more persuasive if there were an argument for something else that felt more robust and healthier, which there are some projects out there. I think there's one, um, 1776 Unites, which my friend Charles Love is a part of. Uh, Charles Love, is an, you can go and listen to him on Just Listen to Yourself, which is my podcast. He's an amazing um, thought, uh, a thought person. <laughs> We're getting to the end of the show. And I'm an amazing thinker Uh, and from my sort of hometown of Gary, Indiana. And uh, he's got a lot of interesting things to say about really how we're kind of failing on the messaging of black history as american history and that and it's created this kind of vacuum and a vacuum always needs to be filled and so people have filled it with crt so it definitely deserves to be pushed back against and i am in total favor of that uh let's see what do i got going else going on here people are upset about the uh governor abbott's uh, he just signed a ban on vaccine passports for businesses again another ban am i in favor of bans no but we've seen how quickly the covid power grab got out of hand and um it's one thing if one or two businesses does it but if every business does it then that amounts to a type of segregation so i'm not opposed to it i just It would be nice if we didn't have to go through all this you know if we could just avail ourselves of our constitutional rights without all of this trouble but i guess that's a pipe dream like i always say you gotta deal with the world the way it is not the way you wish it could be next half hour we're going to have carol roth on speaking of covid stuff and carol is an author she is a a financial analyst you can see her on fox news a lot we're going to talk about this economy and what has happened to small businesses over this, this last year. Um, but another thing that's happened over this last year has been Black Lives Matter. And this unending, I can't even call it a discussion, this unending moralizing on race. And look, I, it, race is important to me. I, I just told you the last episode of my podcast is on being colorblind which I don't think should be the goal. Race is important to me as a black woman, race and culture are tied. They go together. I know a lot of white folks don't like to hear that, but that's how it is. You just, you got to deal with it. That's how it is. But I don't know, this idea that there is danger lurking around every corner for black Americans. It's just, it's unrealistic. It's not true. It's perpetuated by the media because it's some kind of victimhood is seen as, as some kind of sexiness these days. But like, again, I'm telling you, I live in Orange County, California, like white upon white here. A lot of Asians here, too. Whites and Asians here, too. Like not a lot of black folks around here. I don't live my life every day uh, in fear, stepping outside my house. None of us do. We go about our daily lives every day. I can go an entire day without thinking about the fact that I'm black until a liberal brings it up to me. It's always a liberal did i tell you did i tell you guys what happened to my husband over the summer our summer oblm uh he was at home depot or i should say a a big box store (laughs) shouldn't say who's not sponsoring you a big box store looking for a plant and we were in the middle of these summer riots and whatever but my husband's pretty apolitical he doesn't he doesn't really get into this kind of stuff he's conservative like me but uh, he's not like big into politics And uh, just kind of go to work, keep your head down kind of guy. So he's at this place, he's looking for a plant, and this white lady is standing next to him. She's just staring at him, and he's like feeling very self-conscious. Also, my husband does not like to be the center of attention, which is why our marriage works, because I um, crave to be the center of attention. I thrive on it and must be it every moment of the day. So it works out well for us. It's a balance. So she's staring at him and he's feeling very self-conscious, like, oh, what's going on? Does, does she know me? Do I know her? And after a few minutes, he finally just stopped and said, That's, I'm sorry, do I know you? And she said, oh, no, I, I, I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. It's just that I just I just wanted to say I'm sorry. And my husband, again, not being a political person, paying zero attention to Black Lives Matter, I mean, zero attention to black lives matter and everything that's going on is thinking oh this late did she hit my car in the parking lot and she saw me walking out and she wanted to come apologize like he's imagining that she's done something to something of his property and he can't figure it out and he was like oh well for what what happened she said well i'm just i'm sorry for the way that black people have been treated in this country. And I hope that you feel comfortable in this community. And I wanna say thank you for being here. And we're so glad that you're here. My husband was just like, uh, you're welcome. Like he was just having a very normal American experience before that lady came up to him and pointed out to him that he was a black man in Orange County. You know, if she hadn't pointed it out to him, he would have gone on with his day just fine without ever having to think about race. Also, lady, yeah, we've lived in this community for 10 years. We're fine. Even just pointing that out made us the outsider already. So this this race discussion this is why we can't have an honest race discussion. Everybody's hanging. there's too many hang ups around it. This lady thought she probably. And what happened is she got to absolve herself, right? Which was a cringe on um, pond cringe. You want this cringe? She told my husband, Oh, I've been doing this to black people all day. <laughs> She'd been walking around Orange County all day, whatever black person she saw going up and apologizing to. Randomly. It wasn't until later that my husband said, Oh shoot, I should have asked her to buy the plant. <laughs> when we come back, I want to talk about this Nat Geo project, the race card project that they launch and how it's just a litany of complaining. And I find it to be absolutely exhausting. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Welcome back to TonyCast today. I am your fill-in host, Kira Davis, here with super producer Ari. Ari, we should just have our own show where we just do a live show on the breaks.
3: The world's not ready for that.
0: They aren't. I don't think so. We're having a lot of fun on our breaks, but we're having even more fun with you guys. I'm so glad to be here with you guys in the heartland and across the United States today. It's been a privilege talking to you. In the next half hour, we're going to talk to Carol Roth about the economy and what's been going on with the economy. And um, But before the break, I was talking about how exhausted I am with the race discussion as a black woman. I told you that story about my husband being assaulted, not not literally, but figuratively, by a white woman needing to apologize, needing to... I likened it to her treating him like her snot rag, right? Like she wiped her, she wiped all her angst on him and then walked away feeling relieved, feeling good. She She did her good thing for the rest of the day. And now my husband was burdened for the rest of the day with this really weird encounter that pointed him out as something, quote, other, rather than just a guy who was at Home Depot. You know, and this is how the race discussion is going. It's making things that shouldn't be notable, notable. And it's diminishing the things about us that should be notable. National Geographic, The Nature magazine, released a project called The Race Card Project. And it asks people to describe their feelings on race in just six words and they released it in a tweet storm on Twitter you can follow them at Nat Geo on Twitter and boy oh boy it is a litany of grievance and I don't know this is what I'm saying I find that here's the first one let me read this one it's a it's a young black man to me he looks probably of Ethiopian descent and he's standing in a beautiful beautifully I mean Nat Geo is going to give you good shots it's a beautiful shot Here's how he described his race in six words to him. Black boy, white world, perpetually exhausted. Really, dude? Then you're doing it wrong. I I, I don't understand this idea that you being uh, put upon or exhausted or angry all the time or oppressed all the time in a society which is... We are not living in my grandfather's America. I am on this radio filling in for a white Jewish man in 2021. You know what I mean? We have come a long way, dude. But if you are nothing but exhausted, then I don't think you're doing America right. This country is full of opportunity and good and wonderful people and beautiful places and the best education that money can buy you and the best health care in the world. And people literally die to come here. This country is exhausts you. I find your exhaustion exhausting. I tell my son, I have a 13-year-old daughter, so we've got a few years to get her out of the house, but son's getting ready to go off to college, finally, thank God. And I always make sure to tell him that there's no inherent nobility in being a victim. And you, you should never back away from the things that bring you pain or hurt. If someone offends you, bring your offense to that brother. That's biblical. That's fine. Bring your offense to that brother and let it be sorted out. Not that you should never feel that you've been wronged or that or that racism isn't real. It is. But the idea that it's, it's per- so pervasive that it controls our every move every day, like this black boy, white world perpetually exhausted. What are you doing with your days? What are you doing with your time? Would never accept that answer for my son. If you're perpetually exhausted, this is America. You go freaking find a pill, find a therapist, find a job you like, find a place you like to live. Pursue your happiness. You have the right. This boy standing here, black boy, he called himself the boy, by the way. This black boy, white girl, white, white world, perpetually exhausted. He's standing here in a very affluent neighborhood with a very expensive jacket on give me a break. You're doing this wrong. Um, here's two. There's So uh, there's a husband and wife team. The wife said her six words are, she's white. She said her six words are white husband became Iranian September 11th. So that was like a big deal for her on that date. We all know why. Her husband, who's named Rom, said, you don't look Iranian. I am. So that's his feelings on race. He's mad that people don't think he looks Iranian. Like people can't identify. He looks very white. He looks white. So or, you know, if you don't know much about Iran, he looks white. I mean, that's his complaint. His complaint is that is that is that people don't see his race. (laughs) So uh, black guy's complaint was that people only see his race. Iranian guy's complaint was that people don't see his race. Uh, Asian woman. I am not an exotic creature. Great. Uh, Native Americans. Here's this guy said Native Americans. America's invisible, invisible, invisible. I mean, come on back then. Let's start integrating Native Americans into society. Here's my favorite one, though. The white girl. I'm ashamed for my ancestors race. You know what, white folks, if you're going to admit to me that your race is just by virtue of your race, why are you still talking to me? cancel yourself is that not the right thing to do i mean if we're gonna apply all these rules equally why would you admit that you're a problem because of how you look that you are inherently racist because of how you look that your ancestors are the problem because of how they looked or what they did or what they might have been might have been involved in you're not involved in that you don't own slaves you don't hate black people i guess do you if you're gonna say that you're inherently racist uh then get out get out of my way remove yourself from public life and let me take your position let my son take your position let my daughter take your position give me your house give me your job give me your privilege otherwise it's just lip service but we know just like that lady who assaulted my husband verbally in home depot it's not really about action it's only about looking like you care about action okay everybody don't go anywhere we're gonna have a great time after the break carol roth is coming up next i'm kira davis filling in for tony katz and this is tony katz today Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host, Kira Davis, editor at large for redstate.com. And we've been having a blast. I can't believe we are winding down, but I've got a great guest for this half hour because I want to talk about the economy and what's going on uh, for what's going on out there with jobs and what's happened to small businesses this past year is Horrific. And I've got the perfect guest to talk about this. My friend, Carol Roth. She is a recovering investment banker. She's an entrepreneur. She's a TV pundit host. But most importantly, she's the author of a new book, which you're going to want to go get. I promise. It's The War on Small Business. And she is, you know, uh, also a proponent of big hair, which I love about her. Carol, welcome to Tony Katz today. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks, Kira. All about small business, small government, and big hair. It's a good combination.
0: Amen to that. So tell us, because your book really is, it really does encompass the tragedy of what has happened to small business over this past year, while huge corporations like Amazon, Target, Walmart, Costco, have been able to thrive with the government's help. And we talked about this on my podcast recently. And you mentioned something that I thought was very clever. I had not heard anyone say this before. You said basically what has happened to small businesses in this past year is that they've been eminent domained out of their businesses.
1: Yeah, they've been eminent domained out of their business, except for that important part of eminent domain, which is the compensation. If you are. Uh, If you have property, the government is not supposed to take it for the public good. But that's exactly what happened during COVID. They said to, by the way, not all businesses, just some businesses that they decided they deemed uh, non-essential, by the way, not based on science, but based on who had political clout and connections to the government, that we are going to shut you down in whole or in part and you know, that is going to be our mandate for the public good. But they didn't do the opposite side of the eminent domain, the, the part that goes along with it, which is the appropriate compensation. And in fact, Many small businesses have gotten nothing. Um, some have gotten crumbs from PPP, although there's you know stories all over the board about how that's worked and, and how that hasn't worked, but nowhere near the appropriate level of compensation. And if they had been proactive and done that from the beginning, if they really wanted to save small businesses and the jobs that went along with it, if they were also considered um, too important to fail, like the banks were, were deemed too big mm. to fail instead of too small to matter, they would have done that up front, and they would have done it at a fraction of the cost of what they ultimately spent on all of their cronies.
0: Yeah, so in, in the meantime, Jeff Bezos increases. I mean, like, what, what did the value of Amazon go up by this past year? Do you know that?
1: So there were there were seven there were seven tech stocks in 2020. At the same time that that hundreds of thousands of small businesses closed, millions more were struggling to survive. People were on unemployment at record levels. You would think that this would be terrible for the stock market. But that's not what happened. The Fed and the government propped up the stock market. So you would Seven companies that gained 3.4 trillion in value just during 2020, and it was a record year for things like initial public offerings, as well as SPACs, which are these vehicles um, that you can use to raise money and go out and buy companies. So the capital markets were on fire. They were through the roof while Main Street was struggling. And, and that is a big issue and why capitalism has been bastardized to the point that people are really frustrated and starting to fight back. The problem is they're actually blaming it on capitalism instead of the bastardization of the free markets.
0: Which would be crony capitalism, right? And as a result, I mean, I just read yesterday, Carol, that Jeff Bezos is going to space.
1: So he's going, he's going. I saw to some, space. someone else made this joke, so this isn't mine. But I saw somebody say, "Well, I guess anything to avoid paying taxes," which I thought was <laughs> kind of funny, not entirely true, but kind of funny, not, nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in fact, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the word crony capitalism. I won't even use that; I call it cronyism because mm. there is no space for cronies in true capitalism. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that conflation is why we get people angry at free markets instead of directing their anger at the government and at these cronies where it should be.
0: Right. I mean, it just, I find it infuriating that, you know, I'm reading this story about Bezos going to space and I'm thinking, I would love to, honest to God, I would love to go to space. I would not say no if I have the opportunity. So I, I love that he's living the American dream, but it stings because I'm looking around my neighborhood, Carol. And half of the businesses are closed and i live in a very like a a posh area of california i'm very blessed to live in a nice suburban area people here are well off people here do well for themselves and even here could not survive what was done to them by their own governments the last year so jeff bezos gets to go to space and my neighbors are now in debt up to their noses for the rest of their lives because the business they poured everything into was forcibly closed by the hand of government i mean it is it is an injustice that i feel is almost intolerable
1: Yeah, I mean it's really frustrating, and you know Jeff Bezos. I can't blame Jeff Bezos. Other than then, I don't really want to go to space. I'll just go to SPA, which is the spa instead. Uh, But (laughs) you you can't blame him because if somebody's offering you the opportunity to stay open while your competitor is closed, and you're the beneficiary of that, yeah, sure, of course you're gonna you're gonna take that. But the fact that is is that it's the government that's at issue here. If they, by the way, they would have shut down. Jeff Bezos, if they would have told their warehouse that they couldn't be open, if they had told all these big businesses that they could not uh, open it, that they were not considered essential, if everybody truly was all in this together, this entire shutdown would have lasted maybe two or three weeks at most. So if Wall Street that would have so felt the true. same kind of pain that the small businesses were feeling, they would have been jumping up and down and saying, enough's enough two or three weeks but the fact of the matter is that the two bu- the, the small businesses were either too small to matter or too hard to control and they don't have the political clout and so they you know they were the cannon fodder and unfortunately while last year really brought this to light, I mean, it was really obvious, this kind of thing has been going on with the little guys, whether it's the retail investor in Wall Street, whether it's small business versus big business. If you're not inside, if you're not in the inner club, then you're not getting that opportunity to compete fairly under free market capitalism, and that's the part where we we should all come together.
0: Yeah, so tell me a little bit about the book, um the war on small business and tell me do you have any um first of all tell us you know what what a reader can expect to find in this book and then tell us do you have any ideas of what small business can do to protect themselves moving forward or fight for their own interests moving forward
1: yeah. So, you know, I was very fortunate. I was approached um, early on during the, the pandemic to kind of give a, an economic take on what was going on. And from the beginning, it was very clear that small businesses were going to get the short end of the stick. They were the, amongst the first to be shut down. They weren't given the appropriate compensation. The CARES Act funding, which, you know, was signed into law in early March of last year and then came out in April and whatnot, which included PPP as part of that, was highly slanted uh, in favor of cronies, with just a tiny fraction of that going to small businesses. And by the way, in the first tranche, a lot of that went to big businesses posing as small businesses and not right. the most vulnerable based on the, the poor structure of it, which I think was intentional. So it was clear that that was a big story, but I wanted to kind of take a step back and say, like, well, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where the number one risk for a small business becomes the U.S. government? Mm. And what I uncovered was really a larger story about this ongoing battle between decentralization, which is things like small business and cryptocurrency and the gig economy and, and, and people – you know, doing things independently and, f- and freely in economic freedom and central planning. And what has happened over really the past 20-plus years is that we have exported capitalism to the benefit of, of those that we've exported to, like China, for example. We have imported central planning, and we have had less and less freedom. And, of course, that is you know, to the benefit of the central planners, that's to the benefit of their cronies, the big businesses, the special interests. But the everyday American Main Street, those are the people who are getting left out. And if you're competing fairly and you're getting left out, you know, that's one thing. But if you've got somebody who is rigging the game in favor of other people, that's not okay. And so, you know, the the war on small business is really – what happened last year, kind of opening up to talk about all these other issues, whether it's the Federal Reserve, China, um, you know, kind of the role of government and all those kinds of things.
0: Carol, tell everybody where they can find this book. It's not published yet, but it's about to come out, so they, people can pre-order this book.
1: Yes, so you can pre-order it now wherever fine books are sold. And I'm a capitalist, so I will let you choose however. Since we are trying to support small business and capitalism is about spending your dollars and voting with your wallet, if you want to support a small business in doing so, if you go to bookshop.org, they will actually fulfill your book from a local independent small business. So it becomes a win-win for small business advocacy.
0: I love it. Uh, I'm so glad that, that you wrote this book. It's so glad that there's a voice out there for the little guy for small business, because as you always point out to me, Carol, whenever I talk to you, small business is America. I mean, small business makes up like 86% of American business. Am I
1: correct? 99.9% of Jeez. small businesses <laughs> in America and the world are small businesses. Before COVID, it was 30.2 million.
0: Wow. See, we don't realize the power we have in our numbers.
1: Backbone of the economy. We are
0: the people. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Carol. Go buy her book. It's called The War on Small Business. Thank you, Carol Roth. And uh, we will be back on the other side of this break. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz. And this is Tony Katz Today.